0: Good morning, Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and I am by myself. Today, Charles is hanging out with his family down in Louisiana. He's going to be coming back late tomorrow night, and then Wednesday, early we're going to be leaving and going to Freedom Fest in Memphis. If any of you that are listening right now are going to be in Freedom Fest, make sure you come by our table. It's going to have a big banner that says Good Morning Liberty on it. In fact, it's this banner right here that's directly behind me that I set up to make sure that it looked okay. It turns out it looks okay. And so now I'll be able to take it down and take it to Memphis. And hopefully we'll be doing some great interviews, watching some really great speakers. I know uh, Mike Rowe is, I believe, the headliner also there. You got Tulsi Gabbard and you got Matt Taibbi and some other people that I'm forgetting to mention right now that are also great. And I did get a response back from Inez Freedom saying he was going to come hang out and do an interview with us. And uh, actually, the most responsive person so far has been Mike Rose, booking person. So that's looking pretty good, too. And then we'll see if we can get Tulsi and us. Oh, yeah, RFK Jr. is going to be there as well. And Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be there. And Larry Elder and a lot of other people. So it should be a fun week. We'll see if we can grab all of those people for interviews. I was combing through the internets today to see if uh, I could figure out what I was going to talk about. And let me tell you what. First off, it wasn't that easy because all I can tell from the big news organizations i go to is that we're all about to die from climate change i i that's a fact but it's not a debate there's no time to talk about it because we're all about to die uh, for instance like the front of the washington post their page today um it just says historic deadly new england floods trap residents and you go down here to the bottom and it says florida ocean temperatures at quote downright shocking levels Uh, We've got Canada seeing its farthest north, 100-degree temperature. We've got a sprawling dome of heat that's engulfing most of southern U.S. It's all just a bunch of climate change fear porn. And that's fine if that's the kind of thing that gets you going in, in the morning. You know, that's fine. It keeps going down here at the bottom. Places in the U.S. most at risk for extreme rainfall. What extreme heat does to the human body? Where extreme heat will pose the biggest threat. It just keeps going. Even the New York Times as well. Front page right here. Don't pay attention to this other weird thing that's going on the uh, the top right. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Uh, but uh, residents rescued with the torrential rainfall in New England. Dangerous heat engulfs western U.S. More than 61,000 people died from heat waves across Europe last summer and we'll be talking about that one specifically because it kind of made me a little bit upset. Now, I will say a little bit of my climate change disclaimer. I'm not what you'd call a climate denier because I don't know what the heck that actually is. Is it possible that we could unnaturally upset the balance of carbon in the atmosphere by pumping CO2 into the atmosphere At a fast enough pace. It's possible. If we did that, would we be able to change weather patterns? It's possible. Okay. Is that exactly what's happening right now? Can you blame this rainfall on climate change? Can you blame this heat wave on climate change? No, not really. You can't blame any single event on climate change. That's just what I believe. Okay. Should we have cleaner energy? I think that if we can, if it's affordable, if it's efficient, I think that's good. I do not think that solar panels or wind are the answer for this energy. I think nuclear and natural gas are the answer for this cleaner energy. I know that natural gas is still a fossil fuel. I get it, but it is much cleaner than coal and burning wood and all that stuff that people are moving to after they close down their nuclear plants. Okay, so I, I think we should move to those things. Now, the problem when you say, all right, oh, well, maybe the climate's changing, maybe be better if we could have cleaner energy. None of the plans we have right now are going to solve this problem. They're not even projected to solve this problem. And they'll end up hurting more people than they're apparently trying to save in the first place. When we look at climate change... When we talk about it, when we talk about the green movement and this, this climate change crisis and the response, we have to ask what the goal is. What is it that people like Biden or John Kerry or anyone else, what, what are they trying to solve? My guess would be that they would answer that they want to save human lives, that they want to save people. Well, in that case, Greta Thunberg, yeah, that's another person as well. Um, What are you, you know, what are you doing? Why do you want to do this? Why is this such a big problem? I think they would answer that they want to save people's lives, that people are going to die because of this. And if that is the case, then anytime we consider some type of policy or law, we would need to see if more people would die as a result of that, or if it would actually save lives in doing so. For instance, taking down the world's economy or preventing third world countries in Africa from rising up like we did by having cheap energy. How many people die in Africa because of curable diseases, uh, because they don't have clean enough water, they don't have electricity in areas? How many people die because of that? If we stop them from getting clean, or if we stop them from getting efficient and affordable energy... Are we actually saving lives in the process? We probably are not. We're probably expending their lives to maybe save some lives in some richer, wealthier countries, but maybe not even that. It's all very complicated. It's not just as easy as we're not going to use coal and burn wood or use oil or any kind of fossil fuels anymore. It's not that easy. One of these stories here from the Washington Post, just a quick example of how they like to uh, pull a fast one on you with their headlines. All those headlines I've seen have been very scary. Very scary headlines. You read those things every day, you're going to start to get worried, you know. Maybe we do need to have uh, higher taxes on the fossil fuel companies, or maybe we do need to uh, put more of other people's money into solar panels and wind farms. Not my money, it's always someone else's money that goes into that. For instance, this one, historic. Deadly New England floods trap residents and destroy roads. Now as we've had a couple weeks of breaking records, world records, historic records, hottest in history, all of those that we've seen, I believe July 4th was a day where we were seeing that, the world average world temperature, hottest ever recorded, ever recorded, goes back to 1979. by the way, when it comes to the average temperature around the globe, which means nothing. We know that, uh, but when they say historic, deadly New England floods, I'm like, okay, what year? What are we going back to? You know, how are we going to do this? Um, I'm not sure about Canada, Jeff. I think we've, I think we pulled the plug on them. I, I think they all burned up. I haven't been hearing anything about them, and I'm not seeing a lot of smoke anymore these days. Or at least I'm not seeing a bunch of pictures of it. So, uh, mission accomplished and my. In my view, (laughs) kidding, of course, about that. Um, Historic, deadly New England fledged trap residents. Now, the historic part of this, uh, just to let you know, it goes back to 2021 and and 2011. Um, Those are the dates. Those are historic dates that they go back to. And they didn't beat those dates, by the way, because if they did, they would have used the earlier years. Okay. So the historic levels, first off, um, 2021 and maybe 2011 that we have so far. And those are the only dates mentioned in this Washington Post article, but they're able to put the word historic in the title of it, which leads you to believe what? That we've broken all of the records, right? It didn't even break 2021 or 2011. Just want to point that out. You got, always got to look this, in this case, it was only in the second paragraph. That's all it was. I want to get on to this Interesting article, because the experts, they're at it right now, and experts are speculating. so we' got very, very scientific analysis happening right now. They are experts, and they are speculating that climate change is increasing kidney stone cases in kids. And so here's the here's the report from the uh, from the experts that we have. Experts are speculating that climate change and other factors are driving the increase in kidney stone cases among children and teens. Experts told NBC News that just three decades ago, kidney stones were largely a disease that affected middle-aged white men, but they now increasingly affect children and teens, especially in the summer. Okay. The number of annual kidney stone cases increased by 16%. From 1997 to 2012 But in kids well, 15 to 19-year-olds, that went up 52 percent higher among females in that age bracket. We we'll just keep drilling this down. Kidney stones among children doubled from 1997 to 2012. According to the study, while black children and adults suffer kidney stones at a higher rate than their white peers. That is because of kidney racism. Of course, but we all learned that in school already. Doctors have not determined exactly what's driving the increase among youth, but speculated that climate change, a diet of ultra-processed foods, and the increased use of antibiotics among children are causing dehydration, according to NBC News. So they are actually speculating that it's dehydration, and they are able to add climate change into this, which is adding The dehydration. Of course, it has to be climate change. It can't be, as someone, uh, as Bailey said, the monster energy drinks. It can't be substituting some kind of a crappy juice for water. Um, Of course, not like cranberry juice, which can help with that stuff. Uh, Just soft drinks instead of water. Or maybe you got to put something in your water all the time. Or maybe there's more crap on our food. Or maybe there's even aging pipes that are bringing us our water. And the water's not as good either. And we're getting more kidney stones. No, it's actually climate change. It's this, it's this 0.7 degree increase average in temperature that is causing a doubling of kidney stones in children because kids play outside at the same rates that they used to? No, no. No, kids actually play outside way less than they used to, which makes this argument extremely weird to me because they're spending less time outside, which is where you get the outside temperatures, which is what would matter for climate change and causing dehydration. Now let's look into that just a little bit. By the way, the, act, the expert that they talked to uh, says that they focused on the relationship between temperature and kidney stone presentations for a decade. Uh, the summary is that hot days increase the frequency of kidney stone events. The risk of these events is higher among males than females, and better predicted, uh, talking about heat metrics there. Uh, While it's unlikely that climate change has been a significant contributor to the increase in kidney stones among children and adults over the last 20 years, it is likely that climate change will increase the number of people affected by stones in the future. So even though they've had a doubling of kidney stones in young children... Over the last 20 years, they say that it's unlikely that climate change has been a significant contributor, but it's likely that it will be a significant contributor into the future, just not this time that it's doubled over this period of time. If y'all can make sense of that, that's totally fine. The other thing that I did find is that uh, kids are spending way less time outside, which makes this argument really weird to me. If y'all can make that make sense, let me know. Uh, American children, let's see, 65% of parents surveyed said that they played outside every day during their childhood, while only 30% of their children do the same. 65% of parents surveyed said they played outside, and only 30% of those people said that their children do the same thing now every day. I found plenty of numbers, and it seems like the rates of kids just playing outside have gone down quite a bit, all right? Clearly video games, maybe crime. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, You know, these days you could end up getting your kids taken away if you do what back in my day, what we were able to do or back in our parents' days, you know, riding your bike across town to to pick something up uh, or just spending all day outside by yourself riding a I don't... Do people do that still? Do you just get on your bike and you just go to the other side of town when you're like... 10 years old. Is that a thing? Maybe 12. Okay. Maybe 12. Does anyone, does anyone know any kids that, uh, that still do that? I don't think that's a thing anymore. It definitely used to be a thing when I was growing up. We were outside all the time and, uh, um, gives me a good opportunity to say kids these days, you know, as those gosh darn video games and they're, Netflix and their, and, and, and it's their cell phones. It's their cell phones. That's what it is. All right. And that's the problem that we have. Now brings me the one that really grinds my gears. It really gets my gears a grinding. And it was this article from the New York Times. And it says the summer heat waves killed 61,000 in Europe last year. Study says 61,000 people killed In the heat waves in Europe last year. That's a lot of people, okay? I don't like that. I don't like that those people died, and neither do the people in the New York Times. And when people see these these numbers, well, what do you think? I mean, that's got to be some kind of a record, of course. Maybe it is a record. Is it a record on a percentage basis? Because our uh, populations have increased quite a bit. Um, no, it's not a record on a percentage basis, of course, because we're getting better and better with shelter and air conditioning. Clearly, 100 years ago, a more a higher percentage of the population would have died even if the temperature was a, a degree lower. All right, 61,000 people died, though. We've got to stop this. You know what we have to do? We have to stop the earth from getting any warmer. That way we save people's lives. Because remember, what we talked about at the beginning was what's the point of all this, if not to save people's lives and give, uh, I don't know, just give people more fulfilling, easy, meaningful life? I don't know. Well, then we need to save their lives. More than 61,000 people died, this is from the New York Times, because of last year's brutal summer heat waves across Europe, according to a study published on Monday in the journal Nature Medicine. The findings suggest that two decades of efforts in Europe to adapt to a hotter world have failed to keep up with the pace of global warming. That's an interesting sentence to remember for later on. Because Europe, they have these heat waves and people die, and they've been trying to fix that problem. Okay, and this finding suggests that two decades of efforts in Europe to adapt have failed. Here's a quote. In an ideal society, nobody should die because of heat. Said Joan Ballister, a research professor at the Barcelona Institute for Global Health and the study's lead author. In an ideal so- society, nobody should die because of heat. Okay, I'll bite. Um, sure, in an ideal society, every there there will be no deaths because of heat. There will be no deaths actually, and we'll just we will lay there, and and things will appear in front of us, and we will just. Live glorious lives, never moving or never having to go outside or never do anything, really. And everything will just be so perfect, and there will be no death and there will be no pain, and there will be no suffering. Said Joan Ballister. that was not a full quote there. The summer is likely to be this summer is likely to be even worse. On top of climate change, the earth has entered a natural El Nino weather pattern during summer for the first time in four years bringing about conditions that will turn up the heat in many parts of the world. This season is shattering various global temperature records. Extreme heat had been expected that summer based on, oh, so we're going to look at the year 2003. That's what they were comparing. They had a lot of deaths in 2003 and they decided they were going to adapt to this. That's why they said two decades trying to adapt to this problem. Did, Did they do it? Did it get better? They say no, and then later they're gonna say yes. I wanna bring up something that is very annoying to start off. Here's the journal, there's Nature Medicine. You see over here on the right, this is the risk of death. This risk of death to the right as the temperature increases. Here is the risk over here, much higher as the temperature decreases. As the temperature goes down, you will see that the risk of death actually goes up higher than the risk of death when the temperature is going higher, okay? But to continue, as climate change continues, the world can expect more and more deaths from extreme heat, Dr. Ballister added. This is where I start to get kind of frustrated reading this, because as I'm reading this, and as I read the entire study today, and the entire, you know, summary of the study, um... They don't talk about deaths from cold ever. And this doctor keeps saying that we can expect more and more deaths from extreme heat. Okay, yeah, as it gets hotter, we can expect more deaths from extreme heat. Congratulations. What is the goal? Is the goal for less people to die or more people to die? I'm not arguing in favor of climate change, okay? I'm not voting for climate change here. But if we're trying to save people's lives, this is one that doesn't work out for you because way more people die from the cold. Let me continue in the article before we go through these numbers. Dr. Ballester and his colleagues took the official reports of total excess mortality from June through August 2022 and estimated how many of those deaths could be attributed to heat instead of other unusual factors like the coronavirus. Just to clarify one more time, they looked at excess mortality and they estimated how many of, of those deaths could be attributed to heat. They didn't look up deaths that were specifically notated because of heat or whatever. They, uh, they picked a number. So that's cool. They used <laughs> epidemiological models, meaning they matched recent historical temperature trends in different regions of Europe with mortality trends over the same period to establish numerical relationships between deaths and temperature swings. That is how they were able to estimate this. They keep talking over and over again about how more and more people are going to die because of the extreme heat. I want to show you these numbers. In The Lancet, this study uh, was published in July 2021. It covers the year 2000 to 2019. So over a large amount of time, we've got once again, what is the goal of this green movement? It is, to, is it to save people's lives? I get sick of the talk about the extreme heat because of this right here. From the year 2000 to 2019, in the areas that they observed, they did not look at every single country. They didn't just make estimations. They looked at actual records, but they didn't look at every single country. Globally, they have 5,083,000 excess deaths due to temperature. Temperature swings. Okay, either too hot or too cold. I got 5 million deaths globally. 4,594,000 of those are from cold-related deaths, and 489,000 of those are from heat globally. If we look in North America... Uh, we've got 171,000 related to cold and 20,000 related to heat. If you look in Europe, you've got 657,000 related to cold and 178,000 related to heat. Now remember they did not look at every single country. This was, I believe, in 18 countries over that period of time. Uh, So just to clarify these numbers a little bit better for you, globally, they have 8.52% of these excess deaths uh, were cold-related, 0.91% were heat-related, all right? Or if you look at that per 100,000, you got 67 people per 100,000 that died from cold and 7 per 100,000 that died from heat. Uh, When you look at Europe, you got 89 per 100,000 that died from cold and 24 per 100,000 that died from heat. And so we go through this this whole study in in the Journal of Medicine here, and they don't talk about cold-related deaths whatsoever. Now, they don't have to talk about cold-related deaths because this study specifically was heat-related mortality in Europe during the summer of 2022. I would like to ask a question. Why didn't they say temperature-related mortality in Europe during the summer of 2022? My guess is that because likely they would find that temperature-related mortality probably went down. Heat might have gone up, but cold probably went down. And since cold is such a larger portion of those deaths, they would actually end up with a smaller number, which is why they only looked at heat-related mortality. So when you see people hitting the panic button about uh, heat-related deaths, you want to ask them, okay, well, how many people die from cold? That's a question. It's just a question. Let's answer it. What's your goal? You, not, you don't want people to die. Okay, you're trying to save people's... Trying to save people's lives. Well, actually, this one from temperature related deaths works out in everyone's favor when it gets warmer. So maybe we should just stop using this one uh, to put people in the panic mode. I've been wanting to say a couple things on this 303 creative Supreme Court decision. I know that this has been a little bit ago, but I keep seeing people post things about it. And the most common thing I've seen posted about this decision was that it was a made-up case with a victim that doesn't exist and they didn't have standing and it would have never gone in front of the Supreme Court if it wasn't such a corrupt Supreme Court. It's actually not, it's not the case. Okay, They've clarified the standing on this case. For instance, here's an article from Salon. Salon's, of course, a very unbiased source of news. Fraud justice. Anti-LGBTQ decision based on a fake case showcases the Supreme Court's illegitimacy. We have made it to the illegitimate Supreme Court phase. I believe if we go back in the records, you will hear Charles and I talking about how Trump getting three Supreme Court justices could end up being the end of the Supreme Court. We were talking about whether or not that would be a good thing, of course. Uh, We've agreed with quite a few of their recent rulings, not agreed with some of the others. Uh, I think overall, they've done a pretty good job. But like children often do, the left is deciding that the Supreme Court is illegitimate. What makes it illegitimate? They don't like what the court is deciding. And they've been used to the court deciding things that they liked. All right, That's, that's what's happening right now. They even talk about how um, there's a stolen Supreme Court seat here uh, because they refused to confirm, I believe it was Merrick Garland before the 2016 election. This is really all Mitch McConnell's fault. I really, I realized that they, I realized that they breached their decorum, that they didn't follow their precedent. Uh, yeah, I believe it was Merrick Garland before 2016. That's what it was. And uh, so now people are saying that this is a stolen Supreme Court seat. It's not stolen. It just, that they're not bound by law to confirm someone's nomination or anything. I, I doubt they broke any rules. They just broke kind of the, the system that people had. You don't typically decide not to confirm someone's pick or, the not, or to wait until after an election, I don't think. Uh, let's talk about the standing and a little bit on this case, 303 Creative. I'm going to read some from the salon piece, and then we're going to look at some of the decision. Uh, but for, for the case that most exquisitely illustrates the illegitimacy of the current iteration of the Supreme Court, we should turn to 303 Creative. This case is a straight-up fraud from every angle and had no business even being before the Supreme Court. To begin with, it's a redux of a 2018 case, Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado, and we all know about that. This case, uh, the case was brought by Alliance Defending Freedom, a right-wing group demanding that Christians have a privilege to opt out of anti-discrimination laws. ADF lost its case. That should have been the end of it, but ADF wanted another bite at the apple, not because any facts or laws have changed, but because the makeup of the court had changed due to Donald Trump getting two more nominees, Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, on the bench. But what makes this clown show even worse is that the complaint at the heart of the 303 creative is completely made up. A masterpiece, there really was a baker who really did discriminate against a gay couple, creating both standing and a fact pattern to discuss in court. With 303 creative, however, the facts justifying the case are all make-believe. The plaintiff sued on the grounds that she doesn't want to make wedding websites for same-sex couples, but no one had actually requested that she do so. For one simple reason, she didn't make wedding websites. Her lawsuit was purely hypothetical. Legally, she shouldn't have had a right to sue at all. And this is the basis of the idea that you'll see repeated over and over again on places like Twitter. Um, No one had actually requested that she make the website. They didn't request because she didn't make wedding websites yet. Her lawsuit was purely hypothetical. Legally, she shouldn't have had a right to sue at all. They are flat out wrong about that. And this idea was actually... This idea was actually discussed and taken on and the ruling in the Tenth Circuit Court, which is what ended up pushing this up to the Supreme Court. Remember, we talked about this. The Tenth Circuit Court ruled that Colorado was violating her free speech, but they ruled that essentially she was a monopoly and that since you would not be able to get her specific wedding website made by anyone else, that she would not be able to refuse service to anyone. That is a ridiculous idea that would apply to any artist because actually, it would almost apply to anyone doing anything because all of us are unique individuals and you will not get uh, the specific um, iteration of whatever it is that we are creating done by someone else. You're just not going to get it unless we've all got the same machine stamping out the same parts and that's how you would end up getting it. All right, I want to go into this because they talked about it. This is actually from the 10th Circuit Court. They ruled against her, and this ended up going up to SCOTUS. 303 is a graphic and website design company. Ms. Smith is the founder and sole member owner. Uh, The appellants are willing to work with all people regardless of sexual orientation. Appellants are also, appellant is Mrs. Smith, also generally willing to create graphics or websites for lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender customers. This is an important background fact. Uh, This person does create websites. was just specifically talking about moving into doing wedding websites. And so uh, she does not refuse service to people who are gay or any of the other letters of the alphabet that they apply to. It was just specifically, I'm going to make wedding websites. And I don't want to do same-sex... Same-sex marriage websites. Uh, Ms. Smith sincerely believes, however, that same-sex marriage conflicts with God's will. Appellants do not yet offer wedding-related services. By the way, it's not like some secret that everyone dug up that they don't offer this. This was well-known. They do not yet offer wedding-related services, but intend to do so in the future. Consistent with Ms. Smith's religious beliefs, appellants intend to offer wedding websites that celebrate opposite-sex marriages, but intend to refuse to create similar websites that celebrate same-sex marriages. On top of that, here is the where, where this first started. To do this website, to offer it, she wanted to put a message on the page that essentially said that she was only going to create websites for uh, opposite sex or traditional or whatever couples you want to call it. Well, she's not able to do that because Colorado is going to go after her, and she knows this. Now, to have standing, it does not mean that you have to violate their law and then risk going to prison or get put in prison and then try and fight this from prison or fight this after they find you. Actually, if you can prove that it's reasonable that they are going to go after you for doing what you're doing, you've actually got standing at that point because at that point they are stopping you from doing what you want to do, meaning they are quelling your free speech in this scenario simply by having the law on the book and the fact that they have scared you away from doing what you want to do is giving you standing. And so if you can prove that that's what you're going to do and that they're going to go after you if you create the website, then you've got standing. That's what the 10th Circuit Court, who ruled against her, by the way, uh, that's what they even said. Yes, she has standing. I'm saying this right now because I've seen this repeated over and over again by all of the people that we use on Dumb Bleep, um, and a lot of people that we should that I forget about. I've seen it on the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, seen it going around. I, I think there was a view clip or someone uh, equally as dumb talking about this. And the reason it's important is because they're using this idea that this case should have never even been in front of the Supreme Court because there wasn't actually a customer that was trying to get a wedding website. They're using this idea to back up the idea that the that the court is corrupt and illegitimate. And they're just trying to go after uh, the two S L G B T Q I A plus uh, people. All of those. I think we just need to start saying the letters that aren't included. That would be faster. I believe uh, it's my two cents on the matter. Um, the standing. Article three of the Constitution limits the jurisdiction of the federal courts the cases and controversies. The doctrine of standing serves as one of those landmarks in identifying the cases and controversies that are of the. Uh, Sort referred to in Article 3. Standing requires at least three elements. Injury, in fact, causation, and redressability. By the way, it even says under injury, in fact, this means that they're going to go after you if you do the thing that you want to do. All right. Is there a credible threat of prosecution if you do the thing that you want to do? Yes, there is. Colorado has gone after people on this. Article 3 does not require the plaintiff to risk an actual arrest, prosecution, or other enforcement action. So you you don't have to get yourself put in prison. You have to show that there is a credible threat that they're going to prosecute you if you do this thing. At that point, you've worked your way into having standing on the matter. I'm. It's not just the article there from Salon. Like I said, I've seen it everywhere, but what equally bothers me is when they... Will just make these claims like legally there should be no right to sue at all. That's not how that works. This is laid out very clearly, actually, in the pre-enforcement challenges, the procedural background for this, and whether or not there was actually standing on the case. I'm fine with people disagreeing with this. I mean, they're, they're wrong, but uh, you know that's fine. People can disagree with this. No problem. Um, don't disagree with it based on things that aren't real, you know? um i don't completely agree with the reason that they decided this case sure we should all have free expression they've decided that if you are creating something uh then you've got then that's a part of speech and that that is taking away your right to free speech this ruling did not say that anyone can discriminate against anyone in their businesses for any reason or especially because of their sexual orientation or anything they specifically ruled this on uh the Free expression grounds and the fact that she was doing something that was creative by creating a website. Uh, they did not say that we all have free association and can decide who we do or do not want to do business with. Oddly enough, a lot of people upset with this are fine that there were places that I couldn't go into over the last few years because I didn't have a vaccine passport or any proof of vaccination. It seemed like discrimination based on those grounds was completely fine. And in fact, there are people that are fine with discrimination when they want to be. I guess just not when it has to do with sexual orientation. I don't know. I'm not going to get into my annoying thing uh, about the fact that I'm fine, that they didn't want me to come in since I wasn't vaccinated. I'm fine. That's if that was their decision outside of any coercion by the state. If it was the state, then I would go after the state, not the business. Uh, Just to clarify that. I'm going to go ahead and end. I'm going to, I think it's time to, I think it's time to end the show. And I'm going to leave some stuff for tomorrow. I'm going to be going tomorrow morning, just so everyone's listening. Everyone who's listening right now, just be ready. It'll be a little bit earlier show, I believe. Um, If you enjoyed today's show, sorry, it's just me. I know, uh, Charlie's not here right now and he's very, very apologetic about that. I guarantee you, he's just sitting around feeling sorry about this at the moment. Um, he's, he's very sorry and, uh, he'll be back. We're going to be doing a bunch of interviews at Freedom Fest this week. He'll be back eventually if it's your first time listening. Well, if you made it this far, I don't have to say sorry. Hey, thanks for hanging out. Go to join so you can hang on that. Hang out with everyone who's talking to me live right now. All right. I appreciate that, Costco. Uh, I really do. I appreciate it. Um, All right, everyone. Uh, If you haven't shared the show or you haven't hit subscribe or you haven't left a rating and review, we need more ratings and reviews on Apple or on Spotify or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And if you're listening on Stitcher, make sure you switch over to something else because Stitcher's going away and 3% of our listeners come from Stitcher and I don't want to lose y'all. So come on over to whatever it is you're going to use. Because I don't know. I think they got like a couple weeks left. And, and then they're gone. I've never, I've never looked at the app. Tell you the truth. But I have friends who use it. And that's why I know that they're going away. Because they, they told me it's going away. All right, everyone. Do all of those things. Thank you so much for being here. If you do all the things I just listed out, I'll be back here again tomorrow. Until then, have a good day. And a good morning, Liberty.